first half of episode 175 here's the second half let's go straight to a feel bad video which you can also look up on youtube i'm sure which is going to the end of april uh grigor dimitrov's meltdown in istanbul <sighs> against diego schwartzman <laughs> where he broke like all six of his rackets and had to and like defaulted because he had no or i think he got like a game penalty or he something. got a code yeah he got like several codes penalty. and they escal- escalating codes and he just kept breaking rackets and it was all so petty and like not grigor doesn't have like grigor does not have that Fanini type reputation where you that's like kind of a, that was a very Fanini move what he did um but it was sort of off-brand for Grigor more not Grigor does smash rackets but it was a complete meltdown and just took the shine off of little Diego Schwartzman's first title and so it was memorable and then he was Grigor was very contrite about it in Madrid the next week um yeah. and so he handled, he handled all that very well but it was like a weirdly surreal moment of lo- complete loss of control it was it was a very Richie Tenenbaum moment it was very Richie Tenenbaum. Yeah. It was throwing socks. It was throwing shoes. It was tears. It was, it was something. And it was one of those moments where, you know, again, like you talk about somebody who just was a non-entity this season who is a relevant, play, you know, player or character on tours is Grigor. And just how disappointing of a 2016 season it he was had, for him. He had an okay second half, I think. I think he did. He, he had an okay. Then he, yeah. Remember he got killed by Murray in, in the, at U.S. Open. Yes. Um, and I remember that was a beat. Every time Murray it's plays against always, Danny Valverde, he yeah. always just brings the pain. I think that was one of my like most like retweeted tweets of the year was just basically like, yeah, like how do you hire Danny Valverde when you know if, if you do? That like you're gonna get destroyed by Andy Murray. Yeah, just yeah, take those. But it's not a good Gr- resume. Grigor had a good second half. Otherwise, I think his ranking definitely went up over the second half of the year. So he's not obviously um, you know top ten like he was, and not necessarily the big next thing that he was. But he's he's working hard. I mean, you don't see him maybe you know maybe he's getting into Ivanovich ish territory almost. You could say with obviously not the same highs that Anna had or anywhere near. Let's, but, yeah, let's make but, sure that we no. add this caveat. Every time people compare Anna's career to somebody else, it's always somebody who like has never won anything <laughs> right. or got even close to number one. And it's like, what are you guys talking about? But Grigor got hype like he did. And so Grigor is having to deal with the scrutiny of being mediocre, but without having Anna's previous like laurels to rest on. So it's rough. I'm just saying feel for Grigor. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think I think Rigor will it'll level it'll level out. He'll he'll be okay. But one remember when and I don't know where to slot it into the timeline, but okay. I feel like this might be a good moment. Remember when Kitty Chiller? Oh yeah. <laughs> that name. Just all of it. All the Aussie the Aussie drama this year was incredible. Um, and she was, and that was part of when um, Kyrios turned from thinking I was a peanut to just thinking I was wonderful. <laughs> At some point, criticized Kitty Chiller for being... Kitty Chiller, first of all, is just, again, amazing name for everything and was just causing such ruckus in her but, Aussie team. I mean, remember when... I think I said this on the podcast. Remember when I genuinely thought that Kitty Chiller was a chef? 
like an Olympic chef. Really? Oh, yeah, she's like <laughs> chef de mission, yeah. Yeah, she's chef de mission, right? So like the first time that I ever read Kitty Chiller, a, a quote from Kitty Chiller criticizing Nick Kyrgios or whatever, um, I was like, who the heck is this person with this weird name? And it was like chef de mission. I was like, oh, she's like a chef at a restaurant called in the mission? Like I just didn't pay attention to it at all. Not a term we and use then much. I, it wasn't until literally weeks later when the second time she said something, I was like, Oh, this person's like an Olympics person? Like, it was very confusing, but epic name. Epic name. Epic name for Kitty Chiller, for sure. Um, that happened, I think the Kitty Chiller second blow happened in Rome. So okay. I think the, during Rome, or maybe just before Rome, I, t- I remember talking to Curious about it in Rome. Um, the Before that, in Madrid, I think you alluded to this before, Crawford. Remember when Luisa Chirico made the semifinals of, of Madrid? Like out of nowhere, and it's again, like good played really good and more sustainable looking than Crawford. Yeah. But then again, kind of like Crawford, it was more. It was not not Trico didn't do had a better year than Crawford the rest of the year, but didn't follow it up with anything like that because that's a that's a premier mandatory. It's like a high level Masters from the women's side makes semis out of nowhere. She was a qualifier, right? Yep. Yeah. So for her and to she do that, barely, she barely got into qualifying. She landed in Madrid from Prague. She right, landed in Madrid right. and got the notice that she was she was in. Yeah. So she so that, didn't even know she was going to play the tournament. But that was a nutty, 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 very nutty week in general of WTA results. Um, I remember both top seeds, Kerber and Ravonska losing first round, and uh, yeah, it was a. And then the Romanians draw. took over. Right. It was yeah, Begu and Tig. Right. Yeah. Tig, Tig made uh, beating uh, Keys. In that weird match when, hey, remember when a men's match was going to be, like, moved onto that court and, like, interrupted? And it was a whole thing. That was a whole bad thing. It was Malfis and I can't remember who else. But the, the, the lights or something went out on the other court during their match. And so they had to move it. Oh, and But the girls had, were already warming already up. walked on, yeah. I don't know if they hit yeah. rack balls yet, but they at least walked on. Yeah. It, that was that was, And it wasn't good. And, and Madison was completely rattled by the whole situation and played, like, terribly in SIG 1. But, yeah, SIG, Begu, Kirstea had a great week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, you know, the Queen Bee wins it all. <laughs> Simona Hallett. Like, just imagining Simona doing some sort of, like, single ladies <laughs> dance. Looks weird. Um, <laughs> by the way, well, did, you, did you see that... Um, uh, um, Pick thing in Shenzhen, where Halep and Nicolescu like did paintings. Oh, of course. It is like we the... are in serious discussion to make that our new WTA Insider banner on Twitter. It because <laughs> that's pretty much David Kane and I. <laughs> it looks so. It is the most ripe thing for Photoshop. The way that Halep oh, is like paint pointing this canvas. To that effect, I've been told to plug during Remember When there is now a Twitter account called Halep Halep's Canvas, I believe. Hmm. Which will is doing some of those and we'll take submissions. So look out okay. for that, NCR fans, from a friend of the from, from from a friend of the show. Okay, like it. Yeah. Um, I was in Rome. Oh, remember when? Uh, unless you have more Madrid things, but remember when David Goffin double bageled Thomas Burditch in Rome? <laughs> double bagel. It was funny. It was. Speaking of Valverde, that was the end of Valverde and Burditch together. Yeah. Um, but that was just like, you do not see double bagels in men's tennis ever. Ever. Especially with Burditch, who's a huge bad. server. And Goffin was treeing, was playing his best, and Burditch was bad. And it was, once they got to like 6 0 obviously everyone wanted it to happen. Or, you know, I think just for the fun of it. But it was, and Burditch recovered fine. But it was a, 
an amazing moment you don't see much that was memorable. yeah i mean there there were those you know kind of just like i mean more so than i think in years past just kind of weird results and Belu happening on the men's tour and Bellucci had Bellucci had bageled Djokovic earlier oh. that week and yeah it was a, oh thomas it's a bagely week it was it was a weird thomasy thomasy situation but but remember when andy murray like won a ton of things on clay yeah that was weird murray won rome and he, won rome. he beat i mean Djokovic was someone the night before that which is when Djokovic had the reason not that Murray wouldn't have won that match straight up. He might have. He probably wouldn't have, though. Yeah, but Novak had that Novak got match. Novak got totally hosed by the schedule because Murray got to play at, like, 1 or 2 p.m. against Pui, who was a lucky loser, and it was a really easy match. And um, Pui... Novak his, played Nishikori? And Novak played Nishikori. It started at, like, 8 yeah. or 8.30 or something, and it went long three sets. And I had the night off. And do you remember what we were doing during that match, Courtney? Watching Eurovision. Yes, we were watching Eurovision yeah. outside on this like uh, <laughs> this like food kiosk thing outside the tournament. Very bootleg. You call it a food kiosk. I call it a food truck. It was. A, it was like one of those like like it looked mobile. It did look mobile. Yeah, it was a trailer. Yeah, um, yeah and it was it was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. And it it was, was fun. And then we watched the results. We like got it streaming on mobile and watched the results in a nearby restaurant. And Ukraine won, and Josh dropped. It was great. yeah. It was crazy. But yeah, Andy Murray on clay. Monte Carlo makes a semifinals, loses in three sets to Rafa. Uh, makes a final in Madrid, loses to Novak Djokovic in three sets. Then goes and wins Rome. Weird. Beating Novak in the final. And then, what? Remember when Andy Murray made the French Open final? Yeah. Murray Murray was Weird. legit good. Murray is putting himself in very... Sorry, sir. Sir. Oh, that's right. He just got knighted since we last spoke. Um, which, okay. I'm not going to pretend like I am, you know, fealty to that. But remember when Andy Murray is like very close to career slam and grandmastering now. I mean, like he's. I'm kind of curious is, to see if he grandmasters before Novak. He can. We talked about this before, but he definitely can. He All he has to do is Indian Wells, which is not a great tournament for him. But he's made the final and Monte Carlo, where he's done pretty well. Um, so it's totally on the table and doable. And Djokovic just has Cincinnati. And Murray can also career slam. It's very much on the table, too. I mean, he's made the Australian Open final yeah. God knows how many times. And French, he made the final last year. So it's it's more in the conversation. And Murray Murray was the only – I was thinking about it when I was making my list of member wins. Murray's the only uh, uh, top player, and I use that including the big four and, you know, Serena and Sharapova, let's say, the big stars of the sport, who didn't have, like – a notable like huge stumble or a notable like didn't, that was not a great thing in their year um yeah and so he, he he was sort of the, the calm calm <laughs> this is gonna be a depressing thing a calm you know credentialed winner in a field of chaos candidates and this time andy murray was like the one who <laughs> that was enough well, that just sums up 2016, doesn't it? Yeah, it didn't happen. Not much, in a bad but... way, but just kind of like just things that just didn't seem like they could happen happened. Yeah, very much so. Right. Okay, French Open. The thing that I will remember about the French Open is it being terrible because it was underwater and just the malaise and the ennui of that it situation. It was so rough. It was like, I remember <sighs> being residually depressed about that like having 
seasonal affective disorder, whatever weather related, you know, blues for weeks after I left Paris, like being like thinking back, like, wow, that was really sad. It was just like, like it was a, just, yeah, the French Open is not a tournament. I remember saying this at the time, like a lot of member ones uh, <laughs> in the moment. Tennis is not a sport built for all climates. It's just not. It's not a sport where you can have something in like in the NFL, like Lambeau Field, where it's like bad weather, but you go out there and tough it out. And that's part of the fun and part of what, you know, what makes it like a sport of gladiators. Like, no, tennis is a place to bring a picnic basket and have a lovely time being soft and fragile and dainty at the, at its core. I mean, it's a Victorian era sport and that's sort of, and especially in Paris, like those are not, Parisians in the tennis fan sense are not, you know, warriors are tough they come there to be in the sun and to wear sunglasses and big hats and uh eat you know some fancy food and boo people that's what they're there for they're not there to sit in the rain and it was just the attendance was so bad uh the, the positive side of that i will say was kind of cool and i remember one point from the scheduling was there was that day when the two of the semifinals uh stoser muguruza and team djokovic were both like on a ten euro ticket on Long Long because they hadn't planned on Long Long oh, being yeah, that day. So that was right. like a, that was like a fun, uh, more like uplift at the end of what had been a terrible, terrible thing. But yeah, that day with like the Redvanska Peronkova match and the Stoser Halep and then Goffin and Golbis and then when the when the women like slugged slogged through the misery, then the men were like immediately like, no, we're not doing this. That was a just a bad day and just an awful day for tennis. It just felt like that entire two weeks, no one was ever in a good mood. No, exactly. Across the board, from players to press to staff, just across the board, it it just was brutal. And I just remember so many of those days, you know, Ben and I stayed in Airbnb um, together along with uh, uh, our friend Petra Philipson, a German reporter. Mm -hmm. Um, That's about a 15-minute walk from, from site, which is great. But what was what really made it pay off was this year because I would wake up and it would be pouring rain, and I was like, you know what, I'm I will go when a ball is actually hit. Yeah. I do not believe you're like play will start within you know no play before four o'clock, no play before four thirty, no play before you know five. it's like no, when you guys actually start playing, when I can actually see the sky, I will walk down to site and start working like. Um, uh, but it was just, it was just miserable and yeah, it just felt like every, um, you know, and then Vika, that, yeah, that, that brutal match that she played that was so hard to watch that she finally ended up retiring in. Um, when she was, just, when she was yeah. sidebar flashback, well pregnant at that point, not to our knowledge. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, but it was, it was just, it just felt like every day, you know, most tournaments have feel good stories. And it just felt like at the French Open, you really didn't have. I mean, like no. my favorite thing, um, my two favorite things from the French Open were, a, um, I mean, Kiki Burton's that whole story yes. was pretty cool. Being able to secure Olympic qualification with that crazy win over Daria Kasatkina. She made the semifinals, Kasatkina. Kiki Burton's. Yep. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was that match, you know, with like uh, Mladenovic and Serena, but everybody talks up that match as a straight set win. <laughs> that was for Serena. I rolled my eyes so it's... much of the hype for that match. I mean, like Kiki Mladenovic did an encore interview after that match of like, but she lost in straight sets. I was, yeah. I was like, really? Is this what we're celebrating now, France? Really? Um, I, I, I will backtrack though. I said no one saw Burton's coming. I did remember when Ego Trip pick Burton's to beat Kerber first round. I did call that. You did. So you on did the call show. That? 
Um, I give you that. Yeah, because I'd just been in Nuremberg where she had uh, one. Remember Nuremberg? That was Remember fun. Nuremberg? Uh, oh, my goodness. So <laughs> it was a lot. But, yeah, that whole tournament, yeah, there was the Lepchenko stuff and that press conference fiasco being ridiculous. And if you can find the transcript of that, just please do. It's, it's a fun read. And then also on the opposite side of, of fun press conferences was Naomi Osaka really mm. coming into her own with the, you know, half with the Japanese having to answer that was the first time she, I think, tried to do Japanese answers. She didn't try. Well, in I mean, remember when in Australia, when in Australia, like she kind of begged out of doing Japanese press. Yeah, you know, she was just like, "Please don't make me." But, but, but Australia was like, I think that's when people started to realize at the Australian Open that Naomi Osaka was gonna be a thing, because they kept putting this. I mean, a lot of you know, you have to understand a lot of tennis writers, a lot of people in tennis have never seen at that time at the Australian Open Naomi Osaka hit a tennis ball. Right. And they had no concept of anything, but they kept putting her in interview room uh, two, which is, you know, the secondary from the main. But it was it was standing room only because all of the Japanese press, who were obviously there covering K anyway, um, were all in there. Um, but it creates this, like, hilarious situation where a lot of them don't feel comfortable enough with their English to ask her questions. So they're kind of relying on English-speaking press to be there yeah, to ask questions, to get answers from her that they can then translate to Japanese. Um, Aki Uchida, our, our good friend, I mean, she's a huge boon <laughs> yeah. um, with Naomi Osaka because her English is great and, and she can talk with her and um, Naomi's comfortable with her, which is good. But yeah, but then the, by the time the French Open rolls around, she's like, all right, let's let's do this. Let's try. And it was it was adorable It was because I mean, they would ask these long, long, long questions and she would think about it and she'd be like, oh, hi. <laughs> like... right, she, she'd be like, she'd be like, oh, well, I started to, and then I'm sorry. <laughs> it's great. I, I, it, it's oh, Naomi Osaka. The Naomi Osaka press conference experience is still just tremendous. I'm, um, I'm very excited. I know by the she way. signed with IMG. Yeah, I think that's a great move for her. But even though I thought her her previous agent was tremendous as well, Daniel. But um, but I hope they let Naomi. I be know. Naomi. I really hope so too. That's and I've told, I've explicitly told them that. Like, please oh, do not good. change this girl. Um, she yeah. is. She needs to stay the way she is. She's playing uh, in Auckland and could play Venus second round, which I'm very excited about that possibly. And she's playing doubles with Monica Puig yeah. at the Australian Open. Very cool. It's pretty cool. Um, Monica Puig, a future member when, I'm sure. Um, On to grass, I guess. Um, I don't have anything. I remember, I remember writing a story. I remember being there for Brexit, which is not exactly tennis. That was crazy. Um, we still have our. We still went to Scotland. Future remember when for the show? We, we still have at some point when it comes time. Like our Andy Murray Scotland episode in the pipeline. I mean, to be fair, ever since we recorded that podcast, Andy Murray has been on a meteoric rise. Right. And, and I'm scared that if we publish it, he'll like blow an ACL or something. Oh, don't say that. Like I feel like there's something. There's some sort of energy that's surrounding the fact that, like, we have this thing, and this episode's going to be awesome. Trust us, you guys. It's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, he's he just got knighted. Like, we keep, like, rolling the dice. Like, because it was always like, Ben, and I, I totally copped to this. I'm like, Ben, we have to publish this before Wimbledon. And we never did. And then he won. And then it was like, oh, he made the final. Can we get it out? No. Okay. But then he won Wimbledon. It was like, oh, okay, so he won Wimbledon. Let's get it out. Uh, and then we did it. And then and he was number he was one. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was number one. Or, oh, the Olympics. And, oh, he just won the gold medal. Oh, he just, this and that. We never did. And then it was like the season's over. We really should have published it in the off season. But now it's like, oh, he just got knighted. 
they were, I think he will remain relevant, this Andrew Murray. So I think we'll be okay with that. Um, oh, one more thing on France. Oh, two more things on France I have in my list. Um, first of all, we mentioned Burton's. Remember when Yule Putin Seva came really close to beating Serena? Like yeah. really close, like five points away. That five would have points. broken the tennis internet so that it happened. Um, Serena played really bad in that match slash that tournament and kind of survived. She didn't play well against Burton's either. And I forget who else she played in that tournament, but it was not. Milenovic, she played okay. I forget who her fourth round was, but uh, Serena was very scratchy and lucky, not lucky to make the final, but it was winning ugly and Mukuruza beat her. And then um, remember also on Serena because she was hurt. Remember when Marion Bartoli was the one who leaked the news about Serena's oh adductor injury? <laughs> Oh my gosh, the drama. The drama. Oh, Marion. Marion had quite a summer. Um, Although the funny thing about that is, because I was talking to a uh, a colleague of ours today about this, is like kind of how hard it, it, it that is kind of a, a little window into like how hard it is to like actually break tennis news. Yeah. Because, ever, again, this goes towards all of our discussions about conflicts of interest and things like that. But, like, you know, the people who have the information are going to get completely blasted if they leak that information or report that information in, you know, in an official capacity and all that sort of stuff. It's, like, it's weird. And this, which, is why the, which is why they need to discreetly leak it to us. Just saying. I totally agree. We'll, we'll always. Not to me, to you. Yeah, yeah, to me. Yes, to me. My email is in <laughs> to my To independent bio. media. Exactly. You know where to find me, people. If you have stuff to tell me, I'm all ears. What do I have? Oh, the last French Open thing is Novak Djokovic almost hitting the blind judge with his racket and getting DQ'd, but didn't happen. Oh, yeah. That was like, he was so close to being, he was like, Rafa was out. He was on the doorstep of the calendar, uh, the non-calendar Nole slam and the, you know, halfway the Grand Slam and career slam, all that stuff. And then like... The line judge, if the line judge hadn't moved, I, he should have been DQ'd. If you throw a line, your racket, deliberately throw, not slip, but deliberately throw, and hits a line judge in the face. I mean, Nalbandian precedent says you should be booked for that, as they say in soccer. Um, yeah, I think that was a moment that was like a another like sliding door, but the door slid correctly. Or cl- I don't know. I never saw that movie. <laughs> It's actually a good movie, and I don't even like Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, my only, my last remember when for the French Open. Remember when Garby hit that crazy lob on match point? I mean, that's like that the was stuff a, dreams are made of. That was a pretty great match point. You know, like that's one of those like those playground shots that you try over and over and over and over and over again. That was pretty good. That it final was wasn't crazy. great, but that was a very very good last point. Yeah, um, and it wasn't great because Garby was. In a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like, Garby... She was better than Serena. tournament the by yeah. the throat. She really did. I mean, she played incredible tennis throughout the two weeks. Except outside of the first the first set that she lost, but... Shmidlova. Yeah. Yeah. Remember Shmidlova? Oh, my gosh. Remember Shmidlova. Um, Losing streak. On grass. That's right. On to grass. Um, first of all, my favorite social media video... I don't know if it was social media, but also TV also. My favorite social media video of the whole year, I think, was the one that I think BBC did... Maybe Wimbledon. I think BBC. Oh, Dominica Sibokova smelling the balls. The Beeb. The Beeb. Like, it first of all, their resourcefulness to find balls from all four Grand Slams to do that, impressive. And then her ability to spot them immediately by smell, also impressive. I mean, I've never smelled the balls. So maybe they do smell really different. I don't know. But, like, 
it was this like weird Rain Man thing that she did with her nose. It's tremendous, and it was great. And yep. you should all watch it if you haven't yet. Yeah, and it and it it uh, it was a great video that was made even more relevant by the fact that like holy crap, Dominica Spokova learned how to play on grass. Yeah, that's the that's one well, of the big remember when takeaways. I somewhat disagree with that. She made the quarters before. I know, but she doesn't think that she can play on it. Okay. That's the thing. Until like last year, then she kind of like it clicked. Like she was like, holy crap. I mean, remember when Dominica Spokva planned her wedding on a day that Wimbledon was still going on? Remember how annoyed you got at the, the final? Remember how annoyed you got the wedding questions? Because you were very annoyed. Oh my gosh, I can't even. I still can't. But, you know, like this was a kid who just had no no faith or confidence that she was going to go deep in that tournament or whatever. And then she wins Eastbourne, beats Pliskova in that final. Um, and then, and then yeah, beats Aga in that crazy epic match, one of the best matches of the year, um, and completely derails Aga's – because she beat her back-to-back in both Eastbourne and at Wimbledon, completely yeah. derails Aga's, like, quest for Wimbledon. Oh, the Aga-Sibokova match at Wimbledon was amazing. It was so, so good. It was really, really good. Remember when Anna Kanya stepped on that ball and rolled her ankle at Wimbledon? <sighs> Against against Aga, that was rough. That I was, was so another that was another her. great match. I mean, remember when this Wimbledon was actually pretty legit amazing? It was really it was like there were so many stories. After the horrible French Open, we needed the Wimbledon. Yes. The men's side. Oh, maybe so. 2017 will be the Wimbledon of 2016's Roland Garros. I have one small remember when on the men's side before we get to the big one on Wimbledon. Remember Victor Troitsky's enormous meltdown against Ramos when he was like screaming the top of his lungs about a ball and like holding it up showing there was like no no chalk on it or something I'll put an audio of this right now I totally don't remember it that. is he's just like what no what? no it's, it's really I'm just trying to woke people up next door sorry it's um it's <laughs> late here um people are going to call the cops on that that's fine 40, 30. Oh, no! No way! Look at it! Come on, please, look at it! Once! Once! Look at it! Worst rap player ever in the world! What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, just rattled by my own screaming. Uh, and then the obvious remember when of Wimbledon is Sam Quarry. Well, and Marcus Willis. But Oh, Marcus Willis. Yes, yes of course. Uh, Mar- but yes, Sam Quarry. Sam Quarry. Um, yeah, let's get to Marcus Willis first, though. That story, like, Marcus Willis continues to generate headlines to this day. Like, his, yeah. like, wedding photos were bought by tabloids. He's what? a legend. I mean, He's, like, it's, legit it's, a legend now. And with all due respect to Marcus, and I loved writing the story. I, like, wrote about it before his first match. Like, luck, I got lucky with that. And he's um, a dope guy. I mean, he's hilarious. He's very his funny. press conferences were he's incredibly, hilarious. He's incredibly charismatic and all that. But he beat Barankus. Like, <laughs> I mean, Barankus <laughs> is fine. But usually a Barankus win does not a career make. And for him, it's like it was everything. And then he played Federer and won maybe four, five, six games. But, but it was obviously on center court. It was an amazing moment. I remember being so genuinely excited for that match. Because, like, you just did. It was so – the whole thing was so – hollywood screenplay um it really was and he was he was great and 
I understand. I know a lot of people have gotten very annoyed with his continuing to make headlines. Um, sometimes the detriment of more relevant players in Britain. Um, like I'm sure Marcus Willis made more headlines this year than Joanna Conta, which uh, is which is probably I'm probably maybe close, but certainly not proportional to their results or their rankings. And then Willis got invited to that like fast four, not fast four, the tie break XO thing in Vienna, and I think he might have lost to Ivanisevich. Um, so that's not great. But he's hopefully he comes back and plays full time because he didn't play full time really at all after mm. it, which was disappointing. Yeah, he didn't really take much advantage of the no. fact that he was kind of like a, an easy wild card. He could have gotten wild card. I think he got a wild card into Vienna qualifying. I want to say as part of that deal. It must have been some sort of. Mm. I don't know how that lined up. He's obviously not Austrian, but um, he yeah. Hopefully he dedicates himself full time. He he should be. He's the game to certainly be a top. 150 player which he's never been in his career so if he can dedicate himself probably beyond that's conservative but showing that he's not you know no one's a lock he has not shown the sort of right, right. mental anything to sustain this in his career um so hopefully he does he's got a very fun game and good personality he'd be a great person to have around i mean he already like he's set for life in britain which is again normally a barancas win does not set you up for life <laughs> but marcus for marcus willis it did and uh that was another episode we did. Remember remember when the video of him eating the Snickers resurfaced? That was a lot of fun. Oh, the best. Um, but yes, Sam Query beating Djokovic. I, it was great, speaking of videos, it was great if only because the vine of the people in the horse masks and him dancing again, made the rounds. Again. My, again. I think that was legit the most retweeted tweet of my, enti- of my entire like <laughs> year. Was, was that? It was just that vine. Yeah. I mean, really. It was, the, the internet was... Was loving Sam Query and we, Djokovic was bad in that match, but Query was solid and was very unQuery. Like Query managed to like have ups and downs and like be mentally there more than Djokovic in that match. He was fired up. Yeah, Sam Query. He was like locked in mentally. It was crazy. It was like weird, like blood in the water awareness from Query when usually yeah. he would never notice if someone was bleeding at all. Yep. <laughs> It's kind of like not. He wouldn't be. He would. He'd be like just unfazed by it. You know, not like you know, just apathetic to blood. In a in a in a normally chill way, it makes him like probably being really good at being like, you know, a catastrophe first responder, but not always so good for being like a winning oriented person in tennis. So yeah, Sam Curry won that, and yeah, joke. And speaking of, I said this for Federer. Sorry, I said this for Ronich in Australia. Remember that Federer, like very, I think very easily Federer could have won Wimbledon this year. Federer was up two sets to one against Ronich in the semis, and he had won something. So if he wins that, and then he rolled, he hurt his knee early in the fifth. But if he he had break point late in the fourth um, to go up and serve for the match, and he would have done that. And then he plays Murray in the final, and he's beat won like ten straight sets against Murray. I know Murray's playing better in twenty sixteen overall. Federer had had his number. I think he had a he had a real shot at winning Wimbledon. That's all I'm saying. For a guy who like finished year ranked 16th and barely played, Federer's year was like low key really good, making semis of Australia and Wimbledon, and being right there in the hunt for Wimbledon. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. That feels very hot takey to me. It's somewhat hot takey, but it's like reheated hot take. It's from six months ago. Well, but I mean, I just don't. I mean. You think the Federer would have no shot against Murray in the final? I'm not saying no shot. I, I just think that I think that there are still questions about seven matches in two weeks. 
I think that like physically, okay, let's say he closes out four uh, against Raonic and makes the final. I mean, there still has to do, he still has to deal with the recovery and you know and and getting himself up and ready. And if he's already weirdly physically compromised, which he he clearly was, just the way that he hurt his knee was so freaking weird. Um, and and whatnot. I don't know. I I don't know. I think that I just I think physically. I'm not saying that like. I think Roger's game is there, but like physically, I'm not. I'm not entirely convinced that I would give him more than a thirty percent shot against Murray in that final. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think that's where I'm at on that one. Um, Post Wimbledon, remember all the Zika pullouts? Oh yeah, that was a, that was a big thing. That was like a big. That was a big thing. Month of July thing. It was surprising because it was. Um, because Jeannie wound up playing. Jeannie had been on the fence. But then, like, Halep pulled out. Pliskova pulled out. Ronich. Burdick. Ronich. Burdick. Ronich was the weirdest one of all, I think. Yeah. I think Ronich was a really big surprise. And the Bryans was very – I mean, the Bryans make sense at least because they're, like, you know, have young families and are possibly trying to grow those families. So, on that sense, they made sense. But they had, like, been so Rio-obsessed and determined and locked in on finishing their careers there for so long. When they pulled that, I was re- that was the most surprising one to me, probably. But yeah, um, it was just weird, and it amounted to nothing down there. I don't think there was a single Zika case during the Olympics, was, was there? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the people that were down there said they didn't even see mosquitoes. Yeah, like it, it because it was obviously win- you know winter, I guess in Rio, technically, at the time. Yeah. So um, Jump- it wasn't really mosquito season anyway. Um, and then the irony of it was like a few weeks was, was it, what was it like a, a few weeks before the Olympics, like there was a Zika scare in Miami, which ended up, there was a bit of a Zika outbreak or whatever mm-hmm. in Miami, uh, which was where like Burdick was training. Oh gosh. <laughs> so it was like, mm, okay. If you don't come to Zika, it'll come to you. Exactly. Um, it's going to find is- you. Isner had told me that he actually got bit by mosquitoes when he was down there playing Rio in February, like when Zika was mm. already going, he was like forget exactly how he phrased it, but he was like, yeah, I was nervous about getting mosquito yeah. bites in Brazil during Zika, which is fair, but it didn't yeah. amount to anything. Um, oh, one other Wimbledon thing. Remember, uh, first of all, our combined experience seeing her, but remember Beyonce's delayed reaction to everything in the Wimbledon final? It was the best. Beyonce had no it idea was what was going best. on in that match. Beyonce had no idea. Remember, remember Venus not realizing the match was over? Yes. <laughs> Um, and remember when, again, another set of props to the BBC, the Still I Rise video mm. that they did with Serena was just perfect. It was, it's it's beautiful and it's great and I still love it. And every once in a while I'll like still like pull it up and watch it and kind of like shed a tear. It's wonderful. Um, on... Oh, I have another one. Yes. Remember when John McEnroe was Milos Radic's coach and also was commentating during Wimbledon? <sighs> yes. <laughs> I had I, I was rewatching again tennis channel coverage that was replaying Wimbledon this year and it was I think the Murray no, it was Ronich Federer maybe and McEnroe's in the box. And the main thing about it, honestly, was not even what he said. It was how he would go quiet when things weren't going well for yep. Ronich. It was like he's too if nothing else, he's too invested in this part of why it doesn't work, I think, with coaches. They're just too invested in the outcome to like be, you know, having to talk about it the entire time. Get give them a quiet place with their thoughts where they can stress out you know, on their own or in the player box and just sort of rock back and forth like you're supposed to. Don't yep. make them work through that. that was... Or you have to just be sophisticated enough to know 
you know, not unlike maybe like when Gimmelstab, for example, was coaching Isner, um, where you do have to be critical as a commentator, that if something's going wrong, you do have to point it out. And maybe you use your coaching insight to say like what he needs to do is to do this. But I don't think that McEnroe has, is able to kind of walk that line. It was also such a fresh relationship. Like they didn't know each other that well. Yeah, that's true too. Which made it just all the more delicate and awkward and bad. So that was, that was not great. Good call there. Um, Olympics, I guess is next. Um, nothing really happened in Washington, I don't think. No, or Stanford, not really. Um, straightforward. Remember, let's start with uh, Monica Puig, OBS. Actually, before we get to Monica Puig, remember what a bad Olympics it was for the Williamses. Yeah. And it was like this big goal for them. And Serena, in particular, had a terrible Olympics. Um, you know, losing and doubles first round, which was pretty shocking to. I mean, it was a good team, but you still don't expect the Williams just to lose the Olympics ever. They lost to Safarova, Stritseva. Very good team. Very tough team to play first round. Um, they lost in straight sets there, I believe. And then Serena plays and was clearly not feeling well physically or something and just lost badly to Svitolina, which I didn't even watch live because I was, like, not thinking I need to be paying attention to that match. I was out doing something somewhere. That match happened. And it was yeah, just, I don't think I was really watching it either. Yeah. I mean, it was the Olympics, so... You know, we weren't really, you know, we weren't like writing on every single match that was happening. Yeah. We were just kind of monitoring results from the WTA side. But, um, but I remember like kind of just futzing around on Twitter, and then like occasionally going into my, the living room and being like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and then yeah, and then it happened. I was like, "Geez, okay, crazy." And then remember when Venus Williams and Rajiv Ram won a silver and mixed, and like I'm still I sh- I never asked either of them. But I assume they had, like, never spoken to each other before that week or, like, barely <laughs> knew each other. I wouldn't know where they would ever have crossed paths um, in their lives. But then they got this, like, random mix. It was All-American mix final, and they had their chances, and it was close. Um, but Maddox Sands and Sock won it. Uh, yeah. But obviously, yeah. okay. Obviously, they remember one of the Olympics is Monica Puig, which is just which – is which is random on the level of the previously mentioned Burton's and Chirico-type results, I think. And happened to be oh, an Olympic gold definitely. medalist. Even more so because she won. Yeah, exactly. Like she, like there's, it's one thing to make runs to semifinals or even finals, but she, she did it. She did it without blinking. She never. It just was like a summoning of like every single supernatural like, you know, energy into into this like week and a half that she played. I mean, it was. It was great, and it was, I mean, it was a huge story, obviously, for her. It was a huge story for the Olympics as well. I mean, it was a story that I think transcended just the tennis event, just because of the yeah. historic nature of it. First uh, ever for medal Puerto for Puerto Rico. First gold for Puerto Rico ever. Yeah, man or woman, so, which was which was awesome, and Puerto Rico was, was definitely feeling it, but, but yeah, well, I mean, what could, I mean, I will, remember when um, poor Andrea Lovachkova oh, yeah. got beamed in the face by, Hingis. by Martina Hingis. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I mean, Lavochkova Radechka had themselves a pretty heartbreaking Olympics. They did because they were they were in the hunt for a medal, uh, and they were in the medal rounds. Uh, I think that was the semifinal. That was. They played against. They're winning Kuczynski. that match. It wasn't match point. It was and, match point up. She got beaned, right? Yep. Oh, match gosh. point up. She got beaned, uh, and then they lose that match, and then play the bronze medal match and lose to their compatriots, Safarova Stritseva. And then Radechka, Radechka won bronze and mixed with Stepanek. Yep. Um, also, 
I was ha- very happy, not obviously, Petra had pulled out before the, the attack, but I was very happy to get to see uh, Lucy Rodechka playing Hotman Cup this week. Yeah. Just because you don't think of her being that sort of like headliner exo type player, but to see her get a shot there with Pavlashek, I mean, they're not going to win this tournament, but it's a, it's a very uh, cool pairing to see them get to play together. And I saw just pictures of them at the New Year's Eve party they have there, and she looked very happy. So I was happy to see Lucy, who's a nice lady. She's getting, a very nice person. Getting nice things. Um, let's see. Obvi- and the other thing, which I'll parlay into a different thing, uh, Del Potro beating Djokovic in the Olympics yeah. obviously was huge. But then remember <laughs> remember when there was then debate or discord about whether or not Juan Martin Del Potro should get a, a U.S. Open wild card? <laughs> I know you remember it. I remember this well. <laughs> I remember having very strong feelings about this and the feelings that came out of it. And... Obviously, you know, Steve Johnson um, made a case for why Jeff Potro shouldn't get one. I'll say that. Even if he was, he sat on the fence, but he went out of his way to say, well, maybe there's reasons not to give it to him. And then got very upset when those were quoted. And very, very upset. And that's where the unpopular, there's some like US Open, if you're paying attention to the US Open um, mini shows we did, there's like no letter A. And it was like, that's an unpublished law show that has to do with that, which which is shelved I remember, I remember for that. just being too unnecessary and petty on my part completely. But it was cathartic to make. It's, remember a, it's in the when vault somewhere. Remember when you were, a, when, when, when you, when, you know, you know, when you went high, when they went low and you went high, you didn't publish that, that episode. I'm very proud of you. And again, does that work in life? Eh, maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah. It was lit. <laughs> things were said. Um, okay. Uh, other things in... since the... Oh, remember when uh, Marin Chilich won Cincinnati? First of all, one of my favorite WTA Reactions gifts ever, which you just search for WTA Reactions and Chilich, is this one <laughs> of Serena and Chilich sitting at the draw ceremony the next year. And the caption is like, when you remember Marin Chilich won the US Open? And it's like her staring and it's like slowly being like nodding, being like, okay, I guess it did happen. But Chilich won um, Cincinnati and was the first ever person younger than Djokovic to win a Masters title, which for me was a milestone, even if he's only two years younger. I completely forgot that Marin Cilic won Cincinnati. I'm sure. Just now. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm sure you did. He beat Murray in the final, and Murray was like weirdly unfazed by it because he was having the best year of his life and everything was going okay. Um, yeah, that was a that was a good run for him. And then I still think I I've said it before. I still think Marin Cilic will win another Slam in his career. I think he's good enough to, and which no one agrees with. No one's no one's buying Cilic ever, but. There is sort of Ronich Rulich. I think he's going to be in position to do it, and we'll do it. That's my fairly hot but irrelevant take. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's ever any such thing as a hot take when it comes to Marin Chilich. No. It's just like, okay, that's, a, that's fine. You, it's like beige. <laughs> it's very beige. It's a beige take. Speaking of Cincinnati, do you remember the parking lot and how it was like oh my completely gosh. mud? Oh. That was disgusting. It was not great. It was gross. Yeah. We almost had it stuck. was a lot of rain and a lot of shifting gears back and forth to try to rock out of mud uh, ruts. It I was mean, gross. we were a little worried we weren't going to make it out of there. Yeah, there were times. There were a couple dodgy cases, yeah. for sure. Um, since then, I, the whole year was just so rainy and depressing and gross. Was it? I hope. I hope. If nothing else, in twenty seventeen, you know, if there is, you know, nuclear winter, whatever worst case scenarios you have. I hope there's at least like nice weather before that. 
<laughs> because it just improves the mood. Let's see. Oh, going back to the Olympics. Yeah. And speaking of fake news. Okay. Do you remember when somehow the tennis world believed that Kaney Shikori took a shower? Oh, God, yes. During that break against Rafa Nadal, and that is why Kaney Shikori beat Rafael Nadal? That was so strange. And it was that's another very good fake. That is the second, maybe equal maybe got higher level play I think, given even. stature it's it's the bigger pizza gatey thing but like i heard i can't remember which commentator it was it was brett Haber. but a commentator said it on, on like again recently when, on tv it was during recently london, yeah. in like a yeah during london and i was like oh my gosh like what are you doing like i understand when stories kind of blow up and people believe them but then it, you know we move on right we're like oh well that was a bit of a mistake and we move on but like I couldn't believe that it was being repeated again months later as fact. Or it's even not even fact, just sort of like legend. And it's just like, no, this it's just a thing that did not happen. Like, Nishikori got taken to a, a bathroom that was further away than the one Rafa got taken to between sets. And even still, like, no, all of it is dopey. And Nishikori won that match fair and square. And just the weird, nothing you, no aspersions you cast are going to stick to Nishikori. He's <laughs> exactly. just not... He is to use a Serena isn't that he would I would love to hear him say he is not the one. All right, he, <laughs> he is, is not the one. He is not the person to be bringing your nonsense to, and that was all very stupid and just never happened. So yeah, that's that's a very good <laughs> good work on that one. The shower the shower gate was was dopier than than Gypsy Gate for sure. Um, so yeah. stupid. Uh, remember U.S. Open? Remember first of all. There was the sounds of it, A, how loud it was under the roof, and then B, the random gonging sound. <laughs> the gong. The gong versus Andy Murray. That was pretty great. It gonged the first time. The gong time. is the new it, feather. It gonged uh, first time against, before Kanye. Kanye. Again, when she was yeah. upsetting Ravonska, like, as she was serving for the match, the first loud gong. It was this like weird digital glitch thing they explained later on. But it was crazy. It was like seriously, it was like loud, like boom. It was like you did, it was yeah. it was deep and like a what was it? Those things like a almost sounded like a condensed version of the thing they have before movies with like THX sound, you know? Yeah. Like it was very resonant and, and gongy. Uh, yeah, so that was something to remember at the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, I mean the U.S. Open had a lot had a lot to remember. I mean it, uh, you know, between. What was it? What time did that Keys risk match finish? Oh, way too late. And then Madison took a long time coming to press, which I did not appreciate. <laughs> I remember that. I remember being like, Max, are you serious? Yeah, was... We all want to go home. What is going on right now? <laughs> yes, this, that did not need to happen. Um, I remember speaking of Keys. remember Naomi Osaka being up 5-1 in the third on Madison Oof. Keys. In... There was just a lot of drama, man. Like, remember Taylor Townsend, Wozniacki first round? Mm-hmm. Remember Wozniacki making oh, semis out of nowhere at that tournament? Yeah. That was compl- she was ranked what 74, 73, 74? Yeah. and made the semis and backed it up. Unlike those previous fluke semifinals we mentioned before, um, Wozniacki really backed it up. Won of uh, Tokyo against Osaka again and won uh, Hong Kong. And we'll see what she does here. Remember, she in twenty fourteen she had a great finish and had rough draws in twenty fifteen and didn't make the most of it. In other ways too. So we'll see if Wozniacki can continue that because she had a was one of the big winners of the fall. Uh, was was her really resurrecting herself and getting herself back into upper echelons after really slipping quite a lot. Yeah, I mean it. Uh, I mean, remember when Caroline Wozniacki was in a cast? 
No. People forget that. Yeah. Busted her foot in practice. Oh, that's right. During the, the clay, clay season, she yeah. was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did not play in the clay. That's right. Um, and she had a she had a, a walking cast because uh, she tore some tendons in her ankle. So, you know, people kind of forget that that it was a very injury laden year for Caroline. That like that like her her precipitous drop off. I mean, yeah, there were some form issues, but you know, it's always difficult to separate discussions of form from fitness. And if you're just not fit enough, then you cannot practice and you cannot do what you need to do to like be good at tennis. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it goes hand in hand. Yeah, but the rankings thing, I mean, really should not be over. I mean, she did not make Cincinnati main draw direct. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's, she didn't play. So yep. it really was uh, quite a, quite a uh, fall for her. Remember when the U.S. Open coverage ended? And the men's final ended and Stanford Rinka had won. It was all remarkable. And then they switched to baseball on ESPN. And the commentator, uh, the, the announcer oh said, gosh. we want to thank those of you who have been watching Stan Vavrinka against, long pause, Jovac Nokovic in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. It was, there, there's, a, there's a lot of... Um, well, there's set. a lot of layers to that to that to that flub. <laughs> there's, you a, know? there's a lot, but well, there's also just a lot of like narrative from Djokovic fans, mostly and predominantly, that Novak is like constantly being disrespected and overlooked, <laughs> and, which is probably true. Which, you honestly, know what? If that's but... your evidence, that moment right there, yes, you're right. <laughs> you win. There was also the time, there's also the time when his when at the Australian Open, which is won like six times or five times at this point he was doing an exo before the tournament and they put his name up on the like the surround yeah. screen of the court and it was spelled n-o-v-a-c-k that's just that's yeah. rough like come on they don't even know your name you won the tournament five times in like the last six years that's 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 cold it's not great that's it's cold. not great but um, uh but yeah. yeah uh post us open i actually didn't write anything down post us open i wonder if anything else happened um um well let's see here here are some random things okay that i have jotted down yeah well first of all u.s open remember when delpo cried oh the delpo the delpo stand match. that was very moving that was great juan martin del potro i still maintain was the heart and soul of 2016 was in every, all the good ways he was everything he was the best he was the soft underbelly of 2016 and it was it was wonderful um but um, a couple of very random things. Remember, speaking of random runs, uh, Christina Kucheva. Oh, in Montreal. in Montreal. Yeah, she made semis there. Made semis. Yet another Bikini. random, like, they should honestly have, like, a where are they now photo spread of the random oh semifinalists gosh. of WTA 2016. I think it's one of the big stories of the WTA in 2016. I said that on the WTA Insider podcast as well. Like, there were just so many, like, random deep runs by players who were not talking like, oh, you know, remember when Caroline Garcia made the semifinals of Rome? We're talking like players like where you had to do a getting to know you. Garcia didn't do that, did she? No, no, no. I'm saying that's okay. What I, mean. I was just, sorry. It's not like, like a situation like, where it's like a player who right. has potential and we all know who does something, and you're like, oh, you did the thing that like we knew you could do or whatever. It's like these are players where you had to actually be like, um, so how'd you get into tennis? By, like, by know, the way, we you know we forgot to mention Shelby Rogers making quarters of the French Open. Right. That's like exactly. very much in this category too. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was a year of some crazy runs. Again, from players who were not on the radar and didn't usually give us reason to keep them on radar after they did this. It yeah. was like these one-and-done runs, which were fun. Which I want to keep rhyming this, but no. But they were, you know, yeah, it was it was strange. And it's very, it's it kind of strange. what makes the WTA glorious. It's like 
anyone it can be anyone's week anytime it doesn't have to mean something and atp doesn't again chillich counts as an upset winning cincinnati atp has a different bar uh, although del potro did do real upsets this year but uh, for the most part it's usually pretty quiet on those fronts yep um, no, for sure so yeah i had kucheva and then a totally very random remember when but it did happen before uh we move on do you remember when sarah arani took the greatest photo of the Flavia and Fabio wedding. Like she took like this photo of Flavia and Fabio in like the backseat of like the VW bus or whatever. But like she like somehow was either inside the bus or like shoved her camera into the bus. I don't know. But it's like this great photo and it was like the best photo that I saw the entire I don't know weekend if I remember of the this wedding. Photo. Oh it's Wait, a great photo. She, is she in it? It's like a selfie? No, no, no. No, no, no. She just took it. I remember there being a good selfie with Ronnie. Oh speaking of Ronnie photos, remember when Cornet and Irani played each other in the first round of Wimbledon this year, and Cornet put it on Instagram with hashtag yes. Why You Say Vamos. Yes. The self awareness of Alize Cornet is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, remember Novak's bloody toe? Novak's bloody toe. US Open final. Oh, yeah. I remember, oh, what I remember about that is people being like really way too like blase about it in terms of or like being way too like skeptical i was just like and this goes to the novak joke which gets no respect line but people were like so what you yank off a toenail you move on I'd be like if i lost a toenail i'd be horrified yeah i mean you don't just yank those off willy-nilly that's like a painful scarring experience physically and emotionally to lose a toenail and For i don't sure. even know if he did but whatever it was it didn't look fun and i'm sure it was a real injury that he was getting treated you know he's not he's self-conscious and PR sensitive enough to not take, you know, gamesmanship timeouts down four, three in the fourth um, or whatever it was down a break in the fourth, I think. Totally. Yeah. So that was, Completely. yeah, that was, uh, that was something. Um, other things from the fall. Let's see. Hmm. In the fall. I mean, Naomi Osaka making the Tokyo like that was a great run. The, the big Tokyo final was pretty impressive. Like that was like really like I know the kid's good and I've always been really big on Naomi Osaka, but like I felt like that came like a year earlier or a year and a half earlier than I thought it would mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Remember Andy Murray gained number one. I mean of the course. odds of that happening were so low. Like again, looking back to remember June, that wasn't a possibility. And then it suddenly was. No, the gap he closed was amazing. As much as it was more about Djokovic not about falling than Murray rising, even just based on numbers, uh, Murray's ability to see that through. And once it became a possibility, he like checked every box and just refused to lose ever again. And won a bunch of titles he hadn't won before, uh, including Bercy and the World Tour Finals. And he did the thing, and it was very impressive. It was nuts. It was nuts. Oh, remember when Petra Kvitova decided to like be Petra Kvitova again? That was good. And was just slaying left and right. That was amazing. That was just such a lovely storyline to end that season to see her, you know, uh, do what you know she can do. That match against Angie was fucking crazy in Wuhan. I'm sorry, you just used the F word, but it was crazy. Um, <laughs> for those for those of you joining us in, epi- in episode 175 just speak i'm not apologizing to you i'm apologizing to my bosses who are probably listening and they're like oh gosh i have to write an email again to courtney and tell her not to curse again um yeah or cursing so, and enthusiasm of your great product 
Um, yeah. Hi, Amy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hi, Amy. Hi, Kevin. Sorry. Happy New Year. Um, yeah. So I would say that. Um, so that was really cool with Petra. Um, oh, remember um, the Curio suspension mm. and the Zverev and the, the, the serve knockoff thing. I mean, Curio's had a year. The Aussies had a year, as per usual. When Bernard Tomic said he didn't care about some match because he was worth $10 million. And then after, and after he said, like, I'm not really worth $10 million. <laughs> when asked, he was like, no, I'm not. I wish I was, but I'm just definitely Please not. Please don't nod at me. I have no money. Yeah, no. Um, remember when this goes back to January? But do you remember when Daria Gavrilova was giving an on-court interview? With Renee Stubbs, uh, At yeah. the Australian Open and said that she was better from behind. Yeah. Or she was really good from behind. And then she, like, and it wasn't even, if, if they just. And she caught but, herself. But, she, but if she hadn't done that, they might have let it move on. Like she exactly. wasn't that blatant, but she was the one who was like <gasps> herself and like kind of created her own, you know, comedic t- timing pause, which was yep. pretty great. Um, yeah. That was, that, was no, Daria, Daria, that run was fun. She know. made the fourth round there and should have gone, yeah. should have won her fourth round against Carla um, on labor. And Carla just sort of out Carla her and was tough and steady. And Daria didn't quite have the focus to see that one out, but that was a really good run. And hopefully she can do it again. Um, she's in Hopman. She, she and Nick won Hopman cup last year. Uh, when there was, hey, remember Aussie Gold and Aussie Green, the two teams? Uh, <laughs> oh. That's when Hot Cup became officially an exhibition. I'm sorry, like there was, there's no coming back from having two. Well, Aussie now they're teams. doing Fast Four. I know. Apparently, like in the mixed doubles, and they and weren't. Take... Apparently, it was a complete and utter. Yeah, with the shambles. with the Czechs I mean, it might America. be entertaining. If it to if the it, people watching there, the thing but is, it's... if it matters, because if you can still have Fast Four, if it's tied, this match, I think where it went haywire today was the U.S. Czech one, right? And. Yeah. The U.S. had won both singles matches, and so it wasn't – it was a dead mixed rubber. So then you want to be silly, be silly, whatever. Ideally, I would not like that as someone who likes real mixed doubles. Um, but if you get a 1-1 split in the final, I would think people will take the, the mix seriously because there's money and diamonds on offer. That's true. Yeah. That's so. true. Maybe that's true. Yeah, I hope so. I, I want Hotman Cup to be great. I would like to see it take itself seriously. It is ITF sanctioned. That's what I don't get about like the Aussie gold, Aussie green. How are you in ITF sanctioned, theoretically, the official mixed competition of the ITF and do that stuff? It's weird to me. Um, yeah. Other things in the fall. Sobokova won Singapore. Kuznetsova played a bunch of nuts matches in Singapore. Sveta cut her hair. Oh, yes. That is classic number one <laughs> material right there, the haircut. That is right up our alley. Yeah. Um, that was crazy. That was whimsy. That, like, made all the headlines and stuff. It's amazing what breaks through the noise of tennis. It's like haircut, mid-match. Yes. Which is fine. And the thing is, like we mentioned at the time with uh, comparing it to Murray. Murray, like, when I once, like, lightly trimmed his bangs or his fringe, yeah. as they say, by, like, maybe, like, a quarter of an inch. Maybe half an inch tops. Svenna took a huge chunk out of her hair and was, like, sawing at it with the scissors. It was a thick, thick strand of hair. And it was all pretty funny. And just so Svenna. It was so Svenna. Svenna, was, Svenna. Yeah, exactly. It's just so Svenna. It was, like, very much like if Sveta was a hockey player, you'd totally see her, like, yanking out teeth between shifts. Oh, yeah. That's very For much For sure. She would have been, if she played football, she would have been a safety. Her name would have been Ronnie Lott, and she would have played <laughs> with broken fingers yeah. and just cut them off. And been like, so what? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, her... You have to play the game. Her um, clothing manufacturer, I think, it lost some sort of legal thing. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Lost that was just a matter of time. Yeah. It'd be so overdue. <laughs> so... It's, it's so... It's such infringement. It's it was like so shameless. Almost, it's a parody of infringement. It's a parody of Chinese <laughs> infringement. Um, yeah. So that's 
So we'll see. I don't know if she'll be still wear. I'm guessing she'll still be wearing it this year, but I don't know what their status is. I believe she was. I thought I saw her the other day. But, oh, she in um, Brisbane? Yep. Okay. We have five of the eight of uh, the Singapore field here. That's pretty good. Speaking of Singapore fielders, remember when going into off-season, we haven't talked about this, Madison Keys re-upped with Lindsay Davenport and yes. slash pulled out of the Australian Open with a wrist surgery uh, recovery. Mm. But let's talk about Davenport. Um, we haven't talked about this, but you think this is a good move for her? I think so. I mean, that's when she made the, the semis of Australia was with Davenport. I think it's just personality-wise, like we said at the time many times, it was a very good fit. Yep, perfect fit. I uh, Just a couple of days before they announced it, um, I had done a WT Insider podcast with David Kane, and we were talking about Madison and talking about her coaching carousel, not just, you know, this year, but over the years. You know, she's gone through a lot of different people, and I just went really big and just was like, she should be with Davenport. That's my dream coach for her. It'd be great. I mean, I was talking to Nick McCarville about it today. The news was was somewhat surprising to me just because – I don't know that like Lindsay's life or responsibilities have changed. Her kids are two you know, years old. Like older, since I, I guess. guess, yeah. But but like yeah. yeah, that was the only thing I was like, Oh, I, I don't know if like I didn't think that her the life circumstances had changed so much to allow to remedy what was the reason why they split, which is because, you know, Lindsay couldn't be full time or couldn't give enough to Madison. But I think it's great. I think that that's exactly the voice she needs in her head and um yeah it's a good it's a good professional and personal pairing those two i agree and those things often matter that you have both um yeah yeah anything else i remember doing this show being fun i wonder how many let me look actually how many shows did we do in 2016 Mm. it was a lot especially if you count the australian open daily shows remember doing those that was crazy yes i do okay so we did 15 in january Four nights. No, let me just do this quietly. 24, 29. Bad at math. 36, 41. 46, 49, 55, 58. I think we did 63 shows in 2016. Yo. That's a lot. That's a lot of NCR. That's a lot of, that's a lot of you guys putting up with our voices in your That's ears. a lot. I mean, that's like... like I don't want to hear myself that much. And I do, but I don't enjoy it. Yeah. But you guys do, which is cool. So thank you for that. 63 episodes, that's a lot. Um, We'll do, hopefully, a bunch of episodes from Australia. Australia worked out well time-wise for doing more shows, just with the time difference and night matches and like that. So we'll definitely do a few, not daily again, I don't think. But we'll do several from Australia. We'll try different things. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll do the periscopes instead. That's. I mean, last year we did the periscopes plus dailies, which I think was a bit overkill. Did periscope change? By the way, is it now up more than twenty four hours later? I don't know. I mean, periscope was acquired by Twitter, so now it's like Twitter Live. Yeah. You know, like if you hit the Twitter button and you hit the the photo button, you have now an option of like a photo, insert photo, insert video, or live. And you can hit that and then just go live, like, direct natively. Speaking of Remember When in Periscope, did you watch the Federer Periscope practice extravaganza? No, I did not. It was because I had learned this in Brisbane last year that the guy who started Periscope, whose name I am blanking on at the moment, um, or one of the founders of it, was originally somebody who worked with uh, Tony Godsick in pre, I don't know if it was teammate or or before that. But they had, um, so he has, like, Federer links. And so that Federer, that's why it. Federer has been on Periscope so much. 
not because he just and that's the same reason that's usually the thing when you go see a social media thing it's not always just this person likes this format it there's usually some sort of connection and this one i don't know if Federer's getting paid to do it or not or just loyalty but like for example serena being suddenly into snapchat i do not think it's just her enjoying no. snapchat it's her getting and making money which is great for her and great for snapchat it's a good symbiotic relationship but yeah so Federer's periscope was really fancy and had like professional audio and like multiple cameras it was not a smartphone oh. not, not a smartphone thing at all it was just like mm. live streaming a video that happened to be on periscope um so that was different interesting and really high quality and like it was for federer fans or you know tennis geeks and like, he talked a lot about and i didn't watch the whole thing i heard from other people he talked a lot about like how he, what he does in practice like why he does certain stretches or not drills or whatever else and it was uh yeah a lot of fun it was funny that he's this big star of the thing and his practice partner lucas Puy. It's actually ranked higher than him. Tremendous. So it was all um, pretty good. And so if you're a Federer, I think it's still up, I want to say. I think they did not let that one expire because it was like seen as sort of a showcase event for Periscope. Because clearly there were like, there was a staff. There was like audio and like multiple cameramen. It was a whole thing with Federer Periscope. <laughs> yeah, our Periscopes were fun doing them on the train tracks and stuff like yeah, that. Being, I didn't mind them, though. No. Periscope's easy. I mean, that's... It is easy. I don't mind that. And we remember when we Periscoped the uh, London final before you got on your plane? Yeah. That was fun. I liked that. Do I don't more know if that. people thought that it was cool, but I think that that's... I still think that that's, like, the way to go in the future. Yeah. But obviously there are, like, I mean, and speak, there are issues Speaking with of it, that, but... Andy Roddick on Periscope, again, was obviously a sponsor thing. But it yeah. showed that worked well, and he was a good person for that, so... Uh, it's maybe the future, you know, pirate uh, or not pirate, yeah, pirate or sort of underground commentary for things, you know, while, why not, you know, separate yourself from the, uh, establishment media and have your own un unsupported, unverified thoughts on things. It's the way of the future. <laughs> yeah. But that, this one that's in a fun not, way. That's not what, that's not what's happening right now currently. Not but at yes. all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, but thank you guys for listening to the authentic NCR uh not that there i guess there could be knockoffs but i'm sure they would be great because why wouldn't they be uh in the meantime you're not following ncr in your ears for our 63 episodes a year that's a lot um please uh follow us on twitter ncr underscore tennis and on like us on facebook facebook.com slash ncr podcast we got a question for, on twitter from somebody who was like hey i like to chat with other NCR fans who like about tennis and things on the show. And it's like, we have the Facebook group, which has a thread for each episode, which we would I love really think for you guys to should use be, more. I think that in 2017, I mean, we haven't talked about New Year's resolutions or whatever, but one of the things that I keep mm. thinking about is that I really do think that like we team NCR should put more effort into our Facebooking probably for team NCR. That like, I mean, it is a good spot. I think sometimes we rely a little bit too much on Twitter, but we kind of forget We're Twitter how, people. Yeah. We're Twitter people, but like it's not maybe it's not actually the best way to like have that com you know to to create a community because Twitter is not really about yeah. a community. It's about like A and B. So yeah, I think that in I think that we do need to be a little bit more like creative and purposeful in how we do our Facebook. So that's what I would like to see happen, and I'm going to do my best to try and like be more mindful of it. And if you guys see something that you like or don't like or you notice that like we're being a little too quiet on Facebook or whatever, ping us yeah. and remind us. And because sometimes it's just, you know, we have 20,000 different things to do and it just slips through the cracks. Oh, one, but... one other thing on that, I usually mentioned how to contact us via email. We, I saw the other day, we had a bunch of unread Facebook messages to our Facebook page, which oh. I just never checked. 
And so if you're if you're going to get in that's touch, our fault. If you're going to get in touch with us. Yes, that's our fault. But also don't do that way because we do, we don't get alerts for those. And we don't see those for whatever or reason. Or do do it that way because we will be a little bit more active in 2017 to do it. Mm. We we will come to you. I don't no. Don't set us up for failure. I'll disagree with that. <laughs> email us if you have things you need us to see. It's a more reliable way to. do it. I don't it. read email, so I get the I get the NCR email. <laughs> so ask me. That's fine. Um, those I will take care of. Uh, but yeah, so maybe we'll set up something for this episode on Facebook like a thread and y'all can sign in and you know chime in and remember yeah put your own remember wins and put your own hopes and resolutions for 2017 and your own thoughts and meet some like-minded people um we had something when i was noticing the kickstarter when i was doing the postcards we have two people who are listeners to the show who live in the same apartment building in new york city amazing and i'm hoping they know each other i assume not but just like there's people in your world and people, some people like two people from the same small town in Oregon, you know, who I hope again, hope know each other, maybe not like, so just reach out and touch an NCR person. They're, they're close by. Weird. Very weird. Um, email us your questions, thoughts, comments, complaints about the previous remark at to no challenges remaining at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes and other podcasting apps of your choice and get episodes automatically. Leave reviews there. No challenge remaining at gmail.com. If you haven't left a review in a few years and want to do it again, I'm guessing you can. It's 2017. If you left one in 2012, I'm sure you have new thoughts. Uh, and maybe your star rating has changed. Maybe not. Hopefully, we're still five stars in your hearts or thereabouts. Executive producers of No Challenges Remaining are Pantra Zendes of TennisBalls.com and Tal Woolley. Courtney, you have thoughts, feelings, rants, endorsements, New Year's tidings anything no i honestly i think that we've talked enough <laughs> i don't think anybody needs anything right now so i will <laughs> save my honestly it's been two hours bro i know plus more with, um, the, with the auckland interview so no i'm drinking a cider it's pretty good i don't know no happy new year you guys mine will be, i hope 2016 goes and chokes on itself mine will, there you go mine will be very brief uh, i recommend the book and movie on the beach which are from the 50s about a uh, the basically about the northern hemisphere destroying itself in nuclear war and the radiation slowly creeping down and killing people in Melbourne, Australia. And it's just very on the nose for what I'm going to be experiencing in January. <laughs> so watch that movie with uh, uh, Gregory Peck and Ava Gardner, all sorts of famous people, Tony Perkins, uh, and read the book if you like books. Books are cool. And we'll see you guys later. Uh, probably in Melbourne at this point. Yeah, probably. Bye. Kangaroo, I guess. He stole my line. Oh, go. Sorry. Take it. No, no. That was it. <laughs> it's fine. Here's my week five. Bye, guys. Come!